1: I'm your host, Connor Livesey. Join my co host today, Joey Ikes. Um, we will have a special guest one later as well, but uh, we got a lot of news to talk about, break down, and how that's going to impact the draft. Um, so while this is talking the draft, it's almost going to feel like more like a talking the star podcast because we're going to be talking primarily about the Cowboys and some of the moves they made in free agency and how that will impact their draft plans and strategy. Um, and we're about a month away from the draft, so not much more time to, uh, to get it together. But Joey, man, how you doing?
2: I'm doing pretty well, man. This is the, uh, it's an exception to the rule in terms of the off seasons for the Cowboys. For sure. We have, uh, most off seasons, we wouldn't have to do this show because there wouldn't be all that much to talk about, but it's exciting for, uh, for this to have gone down this way.
1: Yeah, it's, um, like you said, it's definitely a different route they've taken, um, they haven't been super active in, quote-unquote, free agency. You know, they signed a couple of guys yesterday that were not Cowboys players last year and previous years. But um, the trade market has been a a route they've shown the ability to take this year. They've traded for Brandon Cooks. They've traded for Stephon Gilmore. We, I think we both agree that wide receiver and cornerback were probably the two pressing needs for this team, and they addressed both with, in my opinion, you know, you got a CB1 caliber guy and Stefan Gilmore and while Brandon Cooks might not be your ideal wide receiver 1, I think he's got wide receiver 1 upside. He's a very high end wide receiver 2, which is kind of what we thought this team needed. So, um they're able to really, you know, sit back. They add Chuma Adoga yesterday who's a versatile offensive lineman, play some tackle, some guard. Um fills kind of a a role we've talked about on the show a couple times about, you know, where they could look at, you know, getting a guy in that first, second, third round, they could maybe play some tackle, play some guard, or play some center, play some guard. <laughs> um, so you know they've 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 pretty much filled all their immediate holes that we had for them going into the year, and that's kind of you know keeping out of free agency and trades. That's just something they really haven't done in previous years to this extent.
2: Yeah, it's one of those things that when you turn three day three picks into. Two bona fide, you know, basically top of the depth chart starter level players. It's amazing what can happen to a roster and a depth chart essentially over a three or four day period. Like we went from what are they going to do at wide receiver two and who's going to be the other outside corner to those questions were answered for what two fifth round picks and a sixth round pick. And then they're going to get the sixth round pick back for for the Dalton Schultz signing from the Texans. (laughs) So basically for two fifth round picks and Dalton Schultz, who they clearly did not want back based on the deal that he got, they just had no interest in retaining him. um, They were able to massively upgrade wide receiver two and solidify corner two in a way that I don't think anybody really saw it coming. I think everybody sort of predicted, oh, maybe maybe they'll sign Anthony Brown back and they'll draft the guy. Or maybe they'll just keep Jordan Lewis, they'll play Deron Bland, and they'll draft the guy. Uh, but they went out and... The additions of Stefan Gilmore and Brandon Cooks are just... very far outside of the norm for this franchise. Both from a... um it just seemed like the trades happened easily. Like I, everybody compares this to the, to the Robert Woods trade or not Robert Woods, Robert Quinn trade. I'm thinking about Robert Woods cause he went to the Texans, right? <laughs> uh, everybody's everybody compares it to the Robert Quinn trade, but we don't remember how hard it was for that trade to get pulled off. He uh, took a visit to the star. It was like two or three weeks from the time he was linked to the Cowboys to the time the trade actually went down. And, Yes, the Brandon Cooks thing came up at the trade deadline last year, but these two deals almost came out of nowhere this year. Like they popped, they popped within a matter of a couple of days that nobody saw coming. That is is a and considering the money that those guys got and Brandon Cooks redid his deal, which is you know art from a cap construction standpoint. But uh, but yeah, it's an outlier for sure, and they did. They have done some work on this roster in the last three or four days that – or I guess the last week or so now that um, that is extremely unusual for them to do in March.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And, and, I mean, I think the interesting thing about these moves is while you wouldn't really expect them – I mean, I'm trying to think about the right way to word this. Like, with the Brandon Cooks and Stephon Gilmore trade, you could still – they could still go corner wide receiver in the top 100, and you not really get upset with it. You know, if the right player falls to him, because Stephon Gilmore is probably here for a year, and then likely he'll sign elsewhere or whatever that is, and you'll get a comp pick, whatever that is. But um, you know, they could go corner relatively early, and you not be upset about that. They could go wide receiver relatively early, and they not be upset about that. Um, one of the positions that I think they've kind of, sh- I guess, showed their hand at is. There was a lot of talk about Bijan Robinson being an option at 26, and I think the moves they made yesterday, while they're not splashy big moves, signing Rico Dattle back and signing Ronald Jones gives them four running backs on their depth chart and four kind of different style of running backs that I feel like they've kind of said, hey, if we get a guy that falls to us in the second, third, fourth round that we really, really love, we'll do that. But we're not going to go into this thing with the vision of drafting B. John Robinson at 26. And maybe, they, maybe they're maybe they getting the rumors that he's not going to be available, so they just went and covered their, their bases there. But I think it, I could see them going corner still relatively early. I could still see them going wide receiver relatively early, but I don't think that they're going to go – uh running back early. And that was something that a lot of people have talked about, whether it's B. Shawn Robinson or Jamari Gibbs. And I think that kind of took them out of the running for them too. And if a Devin, you know, a chain falls to him in the second round, maybe they'd consider that. But I think, I think it all in all, this probably, the moves they made yesterday uh, with Dowdle and Ronald Jones, probably take them out of that discussion.
2: Yeah, I think you're probably right. And and I, I compared the Ronald Jones signing in some conversations yesterday to James Washington or Daryl Worley or um, you know go way back in the day and go to Abe Elam right where it's like this veteran guy who's been in the league you know has never been super productive but you know has some pedigree behind him has like been Darren a, has McFadden they... yeah even even less than Darren McFadden because like they signed Darren McFadden um and the only running back that they had on the roster coming back was Joseph Randall. Like they didn't have a Tony Pollard on the roster that was coming back that had had any sort of legitimate role or a nearly as legitimate of a role as what Tony Pollard has had. So it's even less than that, but it that's why I went with James Washington was, it was like you have CD lamb on the roster and you add James Washington and I, I doubt he even winds up factoring all that much into the roster decisions in, in September or any carries in the season. But if you get through the through the draft and we talk about how hard it is to do this and it no running back is ever in the right spot for you to draft him. Right. They, they get picked off right before you a pick or two every round and you just don't like the options available to you. And that's so hard to imagine happening because – of just how many running backs there are and all that kind of stuff. Now now they've got a guy. They've got a guy who's been in the league who will understand protections and all that other kind of stuff and can come in and be a be a contributor if you need him. He's probably not a plus contributor, but he's only a couple of years away from having a pretty decent right. – a couple of years from having a pretty decent year in the league. So uh, I think you're right that it takes away any pressure at the running back spot to add a guy with a really high pick. Um, One of the things we were talking about in a conversation uh, with some guys yesterday was what positions are left on the roster where you look at it and you say, "Okay, if they draft a guy at 26 overall, that guy's going to walk in and be a starter because that's what they they like to do that in the first round. They like to draft the guy who's going to be a starter in the first round. And I don't know about you, but I sort of racked my mind and I only came up with maybe two spots. Like, maybe linebacker if they're not ready to give Damone Clark the you know the whole thing. Maybe tight end if they're not ready to give Jake Ferguson the whole entire thing. And definitely defensive tackle. Like, if you draft a nose tackle, at, if you draft um, the kid from Michigan, I'm, I'm blanking on his first Mazi name. Mozzie Smith. Mozzie Smith. Yeah, I kept wanting to say Maki. I know that's not right. <laughs> Uh, if, the, if you draft Mozzie Smith, he probably walks in as your starting nose tackle, right? Um, if you if you draft a guy like that up there, he's probably your starter almost for sure. But other than that, like there's not a, a certain like walk in starter or, or a position that requires a walk in starter at this point. And the you know the whispers are that they're working on Jonathan Hankins coming back, which would even take away that as as a defined walk, immediate walk in starter. Uh, this is a level of uh, a level of, you know, covering yourself going into the draft that this team hasn't done in a long, long time.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I get, I guess, I guess you could add, well, I don't think it's likely, I guess you could add wide receiver to that. If, if a Jackson Smith, the Jigba, you know, or Jordan Addison or Quentin Johnson falls to you, maybe they, I, I, it seems like they've soured on Michael Gallup a little bit, and maybe that's just based of what he did last year. And they're just like, "Man, what's going on there?" But they restructured that contract, and which makes you think maybe they haven't soured on him. But at the same time, you know, they went out. This team, like, it wouldn't have shocked me at all if this team would have went out and said, "We we believe in Michael Gallup as getting back to that wide receiver two, you know, level, and we're gonna trust in him and we're gonna draft." But they didn't. And that's something they've done for a long time is they've gone we're, We trust in our guys, you know, we like our guys. So the fact that they went out and got Brandon cooks and that they've, you know, mentioned or been rumored or there's some whispers that like, maybe they're not done looking at wide receiver, whether that's with the draft, um, which I still think that they could add a position relatively early there. Um, and then the other one is just, we got to figure out what's going on with his offense line. Like if, if, if Terrence steals, You know, if Tyron Smith's going to start out at right tackle or he's going to be the swing tackle, maybe they do, you know, that's been some talk too, that maybe Tyron Smith will be your swing tackle um, to keep him healthy for that home stretch in the playoff run. Then maybe you do get a left guard in here early and he he slides in as your starter left guard. Tyler Smith's your left tackle, Terrence Steele's your right tackle. Um, uh, you know, obviously obviously with the audition and Martin at center and right guard. So those are the only other two that I would add is, is receiver if that, you know, just absolute dude falls to you and you feel like, hey, he's he's still a better option than what we got Gallup at and at that X spot, and then left guard if they you know
2: wanna use Tyron Smith as that that swing tackle. Yeah, the wide receiver part's interesting because it goes back to a conversation we had we've had before about you know how many of these guys are yeah. sort of you know, uh, undersized type options. And how many of those guys really do walk in as better than Michael Gallup's at Michael Gallup as a true X. Cause now, now you essentially have Brandon cooks and CD lamb who are your, you know, your Z slot combination, right. In some form or fashion. Um, and Michael Gallup is going to be your X, your, you know, your true, you know, backside of the trips, formation, wide receiver running the slants and the goes and things like that. Um, unless it's Quentin Johnson who, you know, is you know, seems to be falling a little bit down boards and down the the popularity down the board a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. Unless it's him. Like, I don't know that those other guys, like we talked about Jackson Smith and Jigba, right. And the the way the fit would be beautiful there with him and CD lamb able to work off of one another, but with cooks in the mix now, I, I I don't. Can you have three of that kind of wide receiver that all play together? I mean, maybe. And may I mean, you're gonna you're gonna have a coach that's gonna lean towards you know the tendencies of a West Coast offense, whether they're using the language and all that kind of stuff. We'll see, or we know they're not, but we'll, we'll see how those tendencies work. So maybe it works, but it, it just that feels like a lot, especially when Brandon Cooks just redid his deal to make it essentially. Yeah. Not not guaranteed that he's here in 2024, also, but makes it really easy to to picture him here in 2024. Right. Uh, so if you're going wide receiver early, it's probably for an X, and that would say a lot about Michael Gallup, and it would also you know point to some head scratching in terms of why they decided to go ahead and restructure his contract when they they don't really need to. They yeah. they didn't need to, and maybe they were doing it thinking planning for a world where the Texans didn't pick up a portion of Brandon cooks, salary, but I doubt they would have made that trade to pick up Brandon cooks at $18 million. So, you know, it it just feels like it feels like they're probably giving Michael Gallup this year as the guy. And if there is a, if there is a, a backup plan, I think Jalen Tolbert's sort of the forgotten guy in all of this stuff. Is that now? Now he's the, he's still the, the upside unknown quantity of the conversation. I think.
1: Yeah. No doubt. I mean, like I said, I think it's much more, you know, much more likely it's left guard than, than wide receiver. But you, you know, again, and like you said, it's just different because if Jackson Smith and Jigba falls to you, it's kind of like, Damn, this this dude's probably our best player on the board, but he's kind of you know he's a lot of what we already have. Like, does he bring a different element? And I I still think that if he fell, like that's a deep consideration. Do you spend that pick on him because he's that talented? Um, But like you said, it's it's definitely you got. Like you have so many bodies at wide receiver. I and mean, we, we didn't mention guys like Antonio Callaway, Simi Fihoko. Like, I don't think you want to rely on those guys, but you know, I did this the other day. They got like nine receivers on their depth chart right yeah, now. And, yeah. and, and like, you know, three or four of them are some talented guys who have some traits that you like about them. They just haven't really developed into that guy yet. So it's tough to see wide receiver walking in as a starter. It would just take that CD lamb, like fall from one of these guys. And I mean, ugh call me a Michael Gallup hater, which I love Michael Gallup. You know, I've I've been a big fan of his pre-draft post-draft. You know, I don't think he had a very good year last year, but let's hope it's a bounce back. But I mean, it would be fun to see Quentin Johnson at X with Ceedee lamb, Brandon cooks in the slot. You know, that would be a fun little, and again, like we're hearing all this, we're going to run the ball. We're going to run the ball. But if, if we know Mike McCarthy and we, you know, Mike McCarthy is going to do what he has done in green Bay, then, Having four really good wide receivers is something he did for a long time in, in Green Bay and something he could, you know, get a lot of use out here. So,
2: Absolutely, absolutely. So it, this who becomes the walk-in starter conversation sort of uh, leads to a, a revelation that I had yesterday. And so this is, you know, it's Wednesday today. So on Tuesday of this week, you know, I went and I, I have a general overarching philosophy when it comes to, the draft and player acquisition that you can essentially find that tight end is basically a replacement level position that with, with literally one exception currently in the league and maybe three exceptions in the league over the course of the last decade.
1: Yeah. We were supposed to just... fight about this. And then I saw your take on it yesterday and I'm like, hold on a second.
2: <laughs> yeah. And so that, that like, you could take a guy off the street who is six foot four and 250 pounds and you could put him at tight end. And from a receiving production standpoint, you could get 85% of the production you get out of him out of what you got from Dalton Schultz last year for 11 million or what 80% of the league is getting at the tight end position. And that's because of a lot of things. One is so much of tight ends production comes against zone coverage because the middle of the field is typically the easiest. uh, There are gaps in zone coverage in the middle of the field that make that the area you have to, you you generally attack in those coverages because that's those coverages are designed to force you to dump the ball underneath inside so they can rally and tackle. Um, And when teams want to play man coverage, your tight end is not going to be more athletic than the guy that is covering him. So you're depending on the guy being bigger. And some of these, I mean, think about J Ron curse is six foot five and 215 pounds or something like that. He's so he's given up 25 pounds to most tight ends and no height. Um, I think there's a guy in this draft who has a chance to be different and has a chance to be the exception. And that's Darnell Washington. Yeah, And I, you know, I spent the first two months of this draft process poo-pooing the idea (laughs) because of the fact that he plays tight end and tight ends are tight ends. And it almost doesn't matter who you throw at that position. It's going to be, you know, 60 catches for 600 yards and four touchdowns. Right. Like and I've done the studies on the tight end position going all the way back to the mid 20 teens. Um for the Cowboys, and it's the same exact thing. It doesn't matter if it's Jason Witten, it doesn't matter if it's Dalton Schultz and Blake Jarwin. It doesn't matter if it's J- Dalton Schultz and Jake Ferguson. The production is the same. Um, but I think there's room on the roster. If you drafted Darnell Washington, I think he walks in as tight end one. I think he is a clearly a plus plus weapon of a blocker in the running game. Um especially if you want to do a lot of the pin pull stuff and you can like the the thing I kept picturing while I was studying him yesterday was we all remember the speed option run against Tampa Bay to open the right. season in 2021. I think it was. And, you know, Dax pitches the ball too early. Everybody acknowledges that. And then Zeke's out there with Dalton Schultz in front of him, and it's Dalton Schultz one-on-one against a cornerback, and if he makes the block, Zeke walks in for a touchdown, he misses the block, and Zeke gets tackled. If that's Darnell Washington leading over there, that guy is like into middle earth before <laughs> Zeke scores a touchdown. Like, he's getting absolutely buried by that guy out there. And I think about stuff like that with guys in space, and with a tight end like that, you put, and he's not like – Oh, I'm a big blocking tight end. I only ever line up in line. Dude lines up all over the place for Georgia. And Dude X a bunch for them some this year. Exactly. And like, if you think about like a team that wants to be able to move their wide receivers and all that kind of stuff around, a tight end that can do that too becomes useful. But you can't have that guy be a non-factor in the running game or teams will just treat him like a wide receiver, right? They'll treat him like an X receiver, match him with a defensive back and you you lose your advantage because you, you don't really have any advantage in the running game because he's there and he's not going to get open in man coverage against a big corner or a good coverage safety. So, but because of what he can do as a blocker, teams almost have, you can use him like an extra tackle, and teams still have to treat him like a like a true like a traditional tight end right. because of what he can do over the middle of the field as a receiver. And this is not a guy who, oh, he's a big, he's a small offensive tackle, but he can't catch. I mean, the dude ran in the four sixes and is a very natural catcher of the football. He made a catch at the combine that was just ridiculous, like one-handed back over his over his opposite shoulder, uh, one-hand grab as he as he ran out of bounds, and and made some really good catches outside of the frame of his body at Georgia this year as well. So uh, he sort of, uh, very unsuspectingly to me and probably to a lot of people, became my favorite candidate for the 26th overall pick um, in the matter of a couple hours of just watching him play. Um, just because of all the things that he brings and the you can go look at the athletic comps and things like that and the second highest comp comparison player for him on mock draftable the little spider chart site is rob Gronkowski. Right. And when you watch him play you can sort of see it like just the big like Everybody remembers what it looked like when Rob Gronkowski played, right? Like, just big and violent, and, like, he catches the ball over the middle of the field and just rumbles down the middle of the field, and nobody wants to tackle him. And that's what it looks like when Darnell Washington is playing. And I think he he could catch eight to ten touchdowns as a rookie. Like, just throw throw him the scene ball right at the top of the goalpost and let him jump over everybody and catch it. Like – easy, easy touchdown throws from the 18 to 20 yard line when it's real hard to score. So that, that's sort of my, my new take based on where the roster stands after free agency and my, and my study of the player. Uh, And like you said, we were supposed to fight over this. So I was, I was excited to, uh, to, to bring this to you so that we could uh, so that we could talk about how we were supposed to fight and we uh, were getting along too well.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, everything you said is, is, so he's my, I'm, Wrapping up the final touches on my uh, – well, I say final touches. I'm, I'm f- compiling all the stuff from my draft guy, and he he's finishes my 24th overall player in the class. Um, I mean, he ran a 4.64, four, 40, at a 31-inch vertical, 10 two broad, one five seven ten 10 10-yard split, and a tw- uh, 4.08, 20-yard shuttle. Um, just kind of speaks to just how dynamic he is as, a, as an athlete in his physical and athletic – uh profile is just one of the more impressive ones we've really seen ever um and that's I don't, I don't think that's an exaggeration either at that especially at that position um so you know he doesn't have the receiving production that i think a lot of people that will not really dive into the tape look for you know they just want the guys who put up the flashy numbers but when you look at that georgia offense and you look at the others i mean there's they got another tight end who's going to be really good in a year or two too oh kinda. yeah yeah so um they just you know it's kind of it's kind of the Chris Olave Garrett Wilson conversation where it's like they had so many dudes on these offenses that sometimes the ball didn't always get thrown to them. And and if you if you just value the production, you'll probably look elsewhere and then you'll probably be looking back in two years going, damn it, why didn't we draft that guy? He's kicking our
2: ass. So yeah, we had the I mean, it was the same conversation at the same school last year with Trayvon Walker, right? It's like, why isn't this guy more productive? Why is Jordan Davis only playing thirty percent of the snaps if he's yep. so fantastic? Um, when you get to these schools that are that deep, you're gonna rotate, you're gonna share time, you're gonna play a role. And it almost to me speaks more highly of the player that like that Darnell Washington went to Georgia, right? Darnell Washington could have transferred to 15 schools over the course of the last year or two and put up a thousand yards receiving as a tight end. And he didn't. He stayed, he played the role that he knew would help the team win. He put up good numbers when he was he he produced when he was asked to, but also played a played a dirty work kind of role that not a whole lot of college tight ends or college players would sign up to do for the number of years that he was there, and he he stayed there and did it. And so to me that says a lot about the players at a program like that that they would be willing to do that and and, like, we'll talk about the production for tight ends, right? Like, I talked about Dalton Kincaid a couple of days ago. I was going through some of the tight ends, right? And, you know, we watch we watch the tape. We watch him play. But then we also have to apply some context to that, right? Right. And so I went and looked at his production. And some he had 890 yards and, I think, eight touchdowns at Utah senior year. Kincaid did. And when I did the math, something like – 600 of those yards or 700 of those yards and five of those touchdowns came against defenses that were either outside of the top 100 college passing defenses or an FCS team that was outside of the top 100 FCS teams in pass defense this year. So he played against terrible defenses and was the primary passing pass receiving option on his team. Of course, he's going to put up numbers like, but when he played any sort of decent defense, he didn't produce at all. And the tape's not super impressive. Like, he's not an overwhelming athlete. Uh, and so, and he doesn't have the size or the capabilities as a blocker that, you know, that Washington has or some of these other tight ends might have. And so, like, that's one of those conversations where the production has to match the tape, has to match the measurables. Has to match what he's going to be asked to do at the NFL level uh, in order for you to take one of those guys really high. And I think the only option that has that this year is Washington, just because he's a unicorn from uh, an athleticism, body type, um, ability as a blocker standpoint.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Like I said, if we're if we're kind of looking towards positions and you know spots where this team can add you know, what we're calling difference makers. And I think for a difference maker, you got to draft a guy who's going to come in and play either start for you or play a ton of snaps. Tight end's one of them. I don't like this linebacker class class much at all, so I definitely hope they don't go that way. Um, I would love the Mozzie Smith pick. I think he's a freak, and I think in a similar vein of Darnell Washington, when you can draft freaks at positions that, you know, you can get them late in the round because maybe the positional value is not great. You know, you do that. And um, like I said, I, I like, I like, I like both of, you know, both of the guys we mentioned, Mozzie Smith, Darnell Washington, but I'm with you. I think Darnell Washington is that one true difference maker in that first round. Um, I like something that, you know, Sam Laporte out of Iowa is kind of my second round guy, my second, third round guy, that if he falls to you in that second or third round, like I think he could be a difference maker at the tight end spot. But um, as far as that value goes, I, I'm I'm a big Darnell Washington fan, um like you kind of said we were supposed to kind of fight about tight end value but it sounds like we're on the same page and it's it's really with just him like i said like I, i'm yeah. you could talk me into you know not hating a Dalton Kincaid or michael mayer if they spend a the 26 overall pick on them you know just because of what they did in free agency and the luxury to kind of use that pick on a guy that they think is going to turn into that valuable guy um but you know for me it's like let's 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 if we're gonna do it, let's do it for the freak, and I think Darnell Washington fits that mold. But um
2: you got anything else? Yeah, to- if you if you if you're, if you're gonna be true to what you've said, which is you know Mike McCarthy wants to run the dang ball, and we can talk about whether that's a a, a sound decision, a sound game planning strategy, all that kind of stuff. Uh, if you do, if you say that, and then draft. Dalton Kincaid with the 26th overall pick. You don't really want to run the ball. Because you cannot line that guy up with his hand down as a true Y tight end and say, okay, we're going to run the ball 25 or 30 times a game. Yeah. With that in that alignment. What you're saying is, oh, we're drafting this guy to be, you're, you're not aligning your um your picks with what you say your philosophy is. Now maybe that's not a bad thing because maybe the philosophy of running the ball is not really a good um a good philosophy to to try to have, but but at least based on what they're saying, they're saying they want to emphasize the ability to run the ball and if you if you're going to say that and want to do it, I mean you put Darnell Washington right there on that line of scrimmage, and he's going to he's gonna block defensive ends one-on-one in the run game and not have too much trouble doing it from a size or technique standpoint.
1: Well, I know there's a bunch of people listening right now being like, so we're drafting – you know, why are we drafting a guy just to be a run blocker? And that's just not the case. Like, he's – he really didn't get used as this dynamic threat as a receiver the ton of time in Georgia, but he has all the traits and all the ability to do that. Like, he makes some freaky plays after the catch. Um I think one of his biggest strengths and that I saw on tape is like for a big dude, he makes some crazy adjustments on balls that aren't thrown all that accurately, too. And that's just something that you don't see tight end. Like normally it's got to hit him in the face for for a, you know, tight end to catch the football. You're not seeing dudes other than the Kelsey's and sometimes the Kittles like make these acrobatic catches. But he has some extraordinary, you know, body adjustments on balls that aren't thrown right in the the catch radius that, that I just think, like I said, I think his ceiling as a pass catcher is just as high as his ceiling as a run blocker.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I use the Gronk comp, right? Is because you saw Gronk make those types of adjustments. You know, he, he, met Washington missed, didn't finish the catch, but there was a play in one of the games where they were on like the 12 or 13 yard line and he just runs up the seam, which is, you know sort of his red zone you know money route because no you just throw the ball over the top of the whole defense and he's going to catch it um and Stetson Bennett throws it back shoulder and we're talking about a a 12-yard route in the seam on the back shoulder and you know Stetson Bennett doesn't have the strongest arm in the world but from that distance it was a seed right. like if he was if he was at the boundary it's a very easy catch but it was a crazy adjustment i couldn't believe the guy got his hands on the ball much less he didn't catch it, but much less got even got turned around to get his hands right. to the ball, and he did. Because I mean, you're turning around six foot seven, 260, almost 270 pounds while you're running down the field, uh, from a very short distance, very short reaction time. And you see him go up and catch the ball, you see him go down and catch the ball, and you see him adjust back shoulder and, and uh, in and outside of the frame of his body, which, like you said, it's not something you see tight ends do all that much. The ceiling here for a, for a receiving option as a tight end is sky high. And the the ability to know that if you put this guy on the field, they're not just going to answer with a safety. And if they do answer with a safety, you're going to bury them in the running game. Right. And so it, that's really the why we talk about him as a blocker is because – the receiving thing as a tight end is, like I mentioned earlier, a lot of it is based on the number of targets you get as a result of the scheme you're playing in and the defenses you're facing. And we know teams are going to try to play zone coverage against the Cowboys because they're not going to want to man up CD lamb and Brandon cooks. So the tight end is going to get a lot of targets. And if the tight end's getting a lot of targets, then it having a guy like that who can do that and if a team's going to play too deep and you can line up and put him down there and you can run downhill at people great but it it does start with the upside as a receiver for sure yeah yep
1: well cool that's uh that's all the time we got for today again we got a interview with cincinnati wide receiver tyler scott attached here uh coming up here in a second so make sure you stick around and check that out i think he's a We talked about them, you know, still being able to kind of add a receiver at some point in the top 100. And I think if you know they don't have one of those big falls to to them at the at the 26 overall pick, they could look at drafting him sometime second or third round if he's there. And I think he brings another explosive, uh, dynamic ability to this offense. A guy who can play outside, can play inside. And one thing about in our conversation is he talks a ton about special teams too. And I think that that's something that is extremely valuable to this team um we talk about that a ton with you know hey if you're gonna be the fourth or fifth receiver on this this team you got to be able to play special teams that's something that he talks about a ton um just you know being a gunner being that wing guy on kickoff, and you know wanting to develop they had Trey Tucker who we also did an interview with who'll be coming out later in the week but Trey Tucker was their uh punt and kick returner who was he was dynamic in that impact so he didn't tyler scott didn't do a ton of the returning but he wants to get into that and thinks it's something he could be a a big help with so make sure you guys turn tune in and uh check that out uh it's a cool really fun interview with one of the better receivers in this draft class and uh we'll be back next week on the talking the draft podcast to talk some more about the draft and talk some more about the
0: cowboys thank you guys and see you then support for this show comes from sylvan learning as a parent you want your child to have
1: What's up, guys? This is the Talk in the Draft podcast. I'm your host, Connor Livesey, joined by a very special guest today as Tyler Scott, Cincinnati wide receiver and NFL draft prospect, is on the show. Tyler, man, what's up, man? going on? I'm doing good. You got a, uh, a big week coming up next week. Pro Day is next week, right?
3: Yep, it's next week, next Thursday.
1: Cool, man. So I want to start there. Obviously, you tested great at the Combine. Um, everything in Indy went great for you. You going to redo any of your athletic drills or anything like that, or you just kind of go through positional drills?
3: No, I'm, I'm going to rerun my 40 yard dash, get a better number there. <laughs> um, I'm going to also be doing. I didn't do the L drill, the shuttle there. I really? uh, just kind of just kind of off there on the workouts. So um, I'll be doing the L drill there, the shuttle, and I'm also going to be bench pressing as well.
1: So that's the big thing is the 40. You know, you are in a four, four, four great, great time, but I know that. It, for you, and I feel like you know, some people were like, Man, I'm surprised i went a little bit quicker. Yeah. What I'm not asking you to tell me what you expected to run, but what did you what was the best number that you
3: ran in, and just you know, prep, prepping for the combine? Um, I want to say the fastest I got to was like a 432, somewhere around there. Um, so yeah, no, I was expecting to try to get somewhere in that range, low four threes. So that's kind of my my target number there. You know, obviously lower if 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 possible, but um, anywhere in the four threes is great, and uh, hopefully I can you know hit somewhere in the four twos.
1: And I guess the thing for me is it's not just the it's not just the long speed, you know. And I feel like you've actually kind of addressed that at times too, just like how quick you can get the top speed and and how explosive you are how how quick you're able to just turn on that 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 second gear and that's something you do so well but to get everybody listening that that you know doesn't have it pulled up in front of them you ran a 444 you had a one five one ten 10 yard split a 39 and a half inch vert and 11 1 broad jump which are all really impressive numbers um so are you going to redo any of the the jumps or anything or just kind of stick with those cuz those were obviously you know top notch Yeah, no, i'm, I'm going to just stick with those absolutely all right awesome that's great to hear like i said i didn't i i kind of figured you might rerun that 40 you know but but i, I mean four four is just nothing to shake a stick at man and um that's it's it's gonna be fun to watch i know because i think i think like you said you, you got some better numbers than you it shows up on tape so I, i'd be i'd be stunned if uh you don't improve on that but um so you you got done in indy you got the combine uh you got your pro day coming up here soon um have you – I know you've met with teams in Indianapolis. And I'm sure you got some 30-visits uh, scheduled. Have you taken place in any of those, or you got some in, on the works?
3: Haven't taken place in any of them. Um, not yet, at least. Don't know if I even will. So, uh, we'll just kind of see as things, especially next week as things unravel, see how things go. Um, I've, like I said, I've been in contact with multiple teams, um, just getting on, you know, interviews, home calls, and things of that nature. So, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see as uh, as things unfold, especially after next week. and.
1: See how things go. I don't want to get you in any trouble. Are You able to disclose any of that as far as who you've met with or who you talk with in Indy, anything like that? Uh,
3: yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't think I would get in any trouble. <laughs> but uh, I mean, like I've talked to a lot, a lot, a lot of different teams. Um, pretty much almost all 32 NFL teams, really. Um, you know, so some more, a little bit more in depth. Um, you know, at when I was at the combine, I had fumbles with the uh, the Giants. I had fumbles with the Raiders. Uh, the Cleveland Browns and the Chicago Bears, all receiver needy teams. So, um, those are kind of the there. So, yeah.
1: I gotta ask because I'm a I follow the team, cover the team, and fan of the team. Uh, how how are the meetings with Dallas and, and, and or maybe those are they a team that maybe you met with maybe more than some others?
3: Now I want to say I might have met with them once um, if I can remember. Like I said, it was it was so many so many different teams <laughs> that you. Um, I honestly, can't t- remember too much. I'm about Dallas, but of course, um, you know, it's just, it's really the history of Dallas. Um, you know, for me, uh, I kind of grew up following the Cowboys a little bit. Um, you know, my, my dad's favorite running back was Tony Dorsett. And so, um, you know, so I kind of grew up watching Tony Dorsett. I was actually one of my favorite older school running backs growing up. But, um, but no, I mean, as far as the, like I said, the meetings with them, I honestly can't remember too much about them. Um, everything and pretty much every team, you know, kind of likes the same thing with me. It's just my speed, my vertical, um, ability, my you know, big play ability, things of that nature. So,
1: you brought it up, so we'll we'll start diving into that. Is you know, obviously, when you turn to your tape, you see an explosive guy that makes plays down the field. But I think something you do so well too is when you get those opportunities to make plays in that short to intermediate portion of the field, you, you do that a lot. Um, I know you probably hear this comp a lot, but Tyler Lockett is a guy that when you turn on your tape, you see, is, is that someone that you f- see the fair comp there? Do you see somebody like who who's that person that you might model your game after that maybe if Tyler Lockett isn't the guy you you see that person? No, I think that's a
3: great one. I think another good one is uh, Hollywood Brown, um, you know, with his vertical kind of, uh, with his speed and just the way he attacks DBs and just the big play threat that he poses, you know, he gets the DB out the box, you know, it helps, makes it a lot easier on the run game. And so, um, you know, Tyler Lockett's a great one. Uh, that's a great comparison, honestly. Uh, I love Tyler Lockett, just the way – I just love his game, his savviness, his uh, his, his quickness, his swiftness, just, just the way he plays receiver. Um, so, no, that, that's a great comp. And,
1: and you mentioned it, you know, just that ability to be that vertical, deep guy, but also, you know, maybe do some of that stuff underneath – what are some teams maybe looking at us saying, "Hey, you know, we we like that we like that you show this on tape. We like this, but we want to see maybe a little bit more of this. You know, or we want to see this is something we want to see you improve on. Are you getting any of that feedback as far as like we know you're really good at this, but what's some things we want to see you kind of improve on over the next year or so?
3: Yeah, um, you know, so for me, it's just you know going just being able to go against a lot of press coverage I would say um you know when I was in college I didn't get a lot you know a lot of people depressed me a lot because you know they respected the speed so much they just you know, you're playing you know, 12 yards were, off <laughs> yeah we rather just not try to get deep than you know um you know something happened at the line and then now you you know you're in you know no man's land and so um so that's 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 one of the things and um you know for me like I said I just started playing receiver when I got to college you know I was a running back from when I was eight all Year in high school and I started playing receiver when I got to uh college. And so um, you know, just always just continue to work on the <clears throat> fundamentals and technique of the game. You know, number one thing is catching the ball. Um that's that's I mean, you can get as open as you want, get as much separation as you want, but at the end of the day, um, you gotta be able to catch the ball, even if you're draped all over somebody. You know, I think that's what's you know really, you know, what separates a lot of these guys, a lot of these great receivers like a Jamar Chase and Amari Coopers and CeeDee Lambs and things of that nature. They're able to catch the ball. And you know? um You know, so that's, those are the biggest thing is honestly just press coverage. And it's so, it's so tough, I guess I say tough, but like,
1: like you said, like you get that as like maybe in a scouting report, it'd be read as a con like, oh, you know, there's not a whole lot of press coverage, you know, reps on tape. But for you, it's like, like so much of your game translates to that release package and being able to, you know, that quick, the stutters, the, the jukes, like you do all that so well in the open field, you do that so well you know, just with showing the route running and all that. So I feel like a lot of that translates to being good, being able to, you know, with your releases to be able to beat that press coverage. Um, is is there things you do to work on your releases and just beating that press, you know, man coverage or like, what, what do you, what do you, what, what's your, you get that feedback. What do
3: you do with that? Like, how are you working on that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, at the end of the day, you just go out and do it. You know, that's, I mean, that's the, the, the best way you're going to get, you know, better at doing something just by going out and doing it. Um, you know, obviously, honestly, also taking um, uh, other tape of other players, um, seeing what they do well, uh, seeing what, you know, what works for them. And, you know, just kind of make it into your own Devontae Adams. He's he's a, a great guy as far as releases. Um, Dallas Cowboy, Mark Cooper. He is one of the best in the game his release packages. I mean, um, you know, so you just kind of see, all right, what are the tendencies and, you know, kind of both of those guys. And figure out, okay, what exactly do they do? What exactly, you know, do they do to set up their defenders so they can, you know, win at the line. So um, I think it's just a combination of you know, seeing it and then just, you know, going out there working on it and just find your own knit and find, well, you know, what your strengths are at the line.
1: Love that answer. Yeah, that's definitely is a like I said, Cowboys fan of Mari Cooper's. He was a thrill to watch just with his ability to run routes, get his, you know, releases off the ball. It's it's he's he's one of the top ones. But Devontae Adams, it's another one as well. Um you, you played in, you know, a pro-style offense in Cincinnati, so that transition coming into the NFL shouldn't be an issue for you at all. Um, you were able to run, in my opinion, a, a full route tree. You were able to separate deep, separate, you know, like I said, in that short to intermediate portion when they had you do that um, – As far as you mentioned it, but you were a running back coming out of high school, you didn't receive a ton of carries, um, you know, as far as the jet sweeps and stuff go. Is that something that teams have maybe mentioned to you as far as like, hey, we want to get you involved in that? We've seen so many of these guys – be involved in that jet suite game or just the running back, you know, the, the receivers getting those running back carries nowadays when they need that, you know, big fourth, fourth down conversion or third down conversion. We see it with CD lamb a lot and Dallas, is that something that's been brought up to you as far as, Hey, we want to, we want to sprinkle that in a, a lot more than maybe you did in Cincinnati.
3: I have heard that from a, a few teams, Um, just being able to just broaden your game, you know, just being able to have that part of your game to where, all right, hey, we just want to toss the ball to you, um, you know, instead of just throwing it deep or throwing it short. Hey, just come around and just take it and run, you know. So, no, I, d- I definitely have heard that a few times from different teams.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that's great to hear. Um, So, obviously, Cincinnati didn't have the season they had been having this year, but you had a great year. Um, The tape shows it, you know, even even maybe – the production numbers might not be there for some people watching. I think you you look at you con- con- consistently creating that separation, consistently getting open. Um, like I said, some, some you moved on from Desmond Ritter, you had you know some overchange in that offense, it was a little bit of a learning curve there for some guys. But I think you turn on your tape, you see a guy who, in my opinion, is I'm not just saying this because you're on the show, but uh, I think I have you graded right now as a top 30 player in this class, and I think that that's just what I see on tape. I see a guy who. Um, he's explosive. He's fast. He runs routes. He, he offers that dynamic to the football game that, that I think so many teams are hunting for, um, nowadays. And that's finding a guy who can, can win against press coverage, can run against one-on-one coverage. I think you do that consistently. Um, what what traits of, uh, about your game are you really, you know, you're, you're, you're betting high on? You know, we talked about the explosiveness and all that, but maybe some, some other things we haven't talked about yet that you just know coming into the league, you know, we're going to translate well and uh, it's going to be an anti, uh, easy transition for you.
3: Yeah, I think, uh, honestly, filling soft spots, especially in zone coverages and things of that nature. I think, uh, I, think I have a great feel for just kind of knowing where guys are going to end up Um, And I give credit, I I just give the credit to Coach Brown, the receiver coach at Cincinnati. Um, You know, he just did such a great job of just helping me become a receiver and just teaching me the basics and fundamentals. And then, you know, each year just adding just a little bit more to my game. And, you know, especially last year, my junior year, I just got, I felt so confident in just what I was looking at and what I was seeing in front of me, Um, because that's also another huge part, you know, as you progress as a receiver, knowing what to expect. Um, you know, not just watching film, but studying film and just being able to, you know, see tendencies and see, um, different things, uh, see, you know, little things like alignments, you know, is the nickel, is he lined up inside or outside the slot, you know, is this cornerback, is he, is it his butt to the boundary or is his butt to the sideline? Is he, is he head up? Is he inside? Um, are the is the safety stacked over top of the nickel? That's a telltale for something. Like different stuff like that, you know, you start to notice. And it's like, you know, it just helps it helps your game a lot better. And I think, um, you know, especially when it comes to zone coverages and things of that nature, um, just being able to find those soft spots and zones and just kind of feel where guys are moving and just being able to play, you know, within the rhythm of the game.
1: I was just getting ready to ask you about, you know, kind of taking us through like your mindset when you line up and just like some some things you look at as far as like you know if this db's aligned here um you know just some some things you pick up on pre-snap possibly like that it's for we talked a little bit about the releases but maybe something this is something you're working on now take us through just like you lined up you know you, you see they're they're in cover two man coverage like what's something that you know, you see from a DB that makes you think, okay, I want to do this on the releases or I'm going to run this route this way. Can you just kind of take us through maybe kind of what you see or what you're trying to pick up on from a DB on what you're doing in a release or a route?
3: Yeah. So I think it first starts within uh, the, your film study throughout the week, you know, and that you, that's when you kind of get a feel for a guy, you know, you see, okay, is this guy, you know, the first thing I watch is I'd like to see um, is he a guy that has, does he have happy feet, is he confident? Is he a guy that likes to get out? Is he a guy that likes to squat? Um, is he a guy that keeps his eyes in the backfield? Is he keep his eyes on the receiver? Um, you know, just kind of what's his play style like? Is he just kind of laid back, relaxed? He's real antsy? You know, those different types of things. And, um, you know, you start to cater your game, you know, preparing for that week to kind of okay expect okay this guy's usually like this and you know usually what you see on film is what you're gonna get in the game and so um you know walk to the line it's just you know you're looking for those things and so um you know for me playing out wide you're kind of looking at a triangle um you're looking at the the cornerback the that's in front of you you're looking at the near side safety and you also got the Sam or that nickel um and you're just kind of looking at that triangle um in some cases you'll even check out the backside safety um, you know, on the other side of the field, just to see is he low or is he down? Because a lot of times he'll tell you what the coverage is. Um, right. you know, really. So, um, you know, so just there's a lot of different keys that you kind of that I kind of you know like to look at. Um, and it ultimately helps you figure out exactly how to set people up. Um, you know, we're, we're an, real antsy guys. Um, <laughs> you know, with them, it, it's it's uh it's kind of fun because it's like all right, you you do just a little juke or movement, especially in a run. <laughs> Um, I'll try to take advantage of the run game game, and try to um, just give them a little moves or, you know, little, uh, you know, just little things to try to see how they're going to respond. You know, we call it gating information. And so um, just to kind of set them up for some of those bigger routes and things of that nature. And so, um, you know, so th- I mean, like I said, there's a lot of different things um, that you kind of look at. But really, you know, you're looking at that triangle, of that nickel, that safety and that corner, just kind of see uh, to see what they're doing. And then that's just pre-snap and then post-snap. I mean, you got guys flying all over the place. You know, you got him going over. He was over there pre-snap. Now, for some reason, he's all the way on the other side of the field. And then the Sam, he blitzed. And so here comes another guy. Here maybe comes a middle linebacker. You know, so it's just all, all types of stuff that goes on, which is, you know, the great thing about football. But, um, you know, just really keen in on your triangle and, and your keys um, are the biggest things.
1: There's nothing funnier for me than somebody who does, you know, breakdowns and stuff. And, like, I'll post a All-22 clip of somebody, you know, or some, you know, a quarterback or something, and they just – they break it down, like, frame by frame of what he should have done. And I'm like, yeah, unfortunately the game doesn't get broken down in milliseconds by screenshots. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> but, I mean, that's how it is, though. You're out there. It's like – I mean, it's so many different things you see. It's like, okay, he's doing that. He's doing yeah. that. Yeah, he's over there. He just left. He just blitzed. Okay, here comes another guy. So, it's just – you know, but that like I said, that's what makes the game fun, and uh, you know, it's it's also a mind game as well out there than more than just physical.
1: Absolutely, um, got a couple more for you. That we'll get you out of here, man. I know um, one thing that I love about it, and, and you know, a lot of times you see these you know sub six foot guys, and they go, oh, they're slot players, but that's not really what you did at Cincinnati. You played outside a ton. Um, I think you have that versatility to move inside outside and you see so many teams that do that nowadays, moving their guy, you know, from the outside to the slot. Um, You see a lot of, you know, you mentioned Devontae Adams, CeeDee Lamb. Those are two guys who just play a ton out of the slot and you guys put their dude in the slot all the time. Um, Has that been discussed with you a lot, too, is just, you know, maybe playing some in the slot more than maybe you did at Cincinnati or vice versa, being bounced around a little bit?
3: For sure. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. A lot of different teams asked me, you know, how would you feel about playing in the slot and not just how wide and things of that nature and said, you know, they would love to see me move around if I got to the next level and they ended up taking me, you know, things of that nature. So, um, no, I mean, that's definitely something that, you know, I would love to do. Uh the game's just a little bit faster inside there. You know, you're looking at a lot of different you know, a lot of different things. Um, you got your the slot has his own quote unquote Uh, triangle um and maybe even a little bit more you know you may be looking at more the backside safety now depending on where you're lined up but um you're just kind of reading a little bit more things but i think also as well you can kind of react a little bit more um you know and not think as much because how wide you know you have i wouldn't say have a lot of time but um you know you might have a little bit more time than what you would inside so um you know definitely each one poses its own challenges but uh yeah no definitely
1: Awesome man, Lo- love that. Um, all right, so like I said, kind of closing things up here. Um, I wanted to ask you. We talked a little bit about Tyler Lockett and some of the guys you watched. Who would you say? I, I can't have you say Tyler Lockett since I already blew that one. But who would you say that your game mirrors the most? Um, you know, you mentioned you mentioned uh, Ty- we mentioned Tyler Lockett and you mentioned Hollywood Brown. But if some – like outside of those two, like what are some bits and pieces that you take from this receiver's game that you feel like either you want to add to your game or something that you already do very similar to those guys?
3: Yeah. Um, what I want to add, uh, a guy that I've kind of been watching since uh, since college, since he was in college, is Justin Jefferson. Um, I just love his – I just love his. Set. I just love his mindset as far as everything. His <laughs> like it's like everything, but it's just his creativeness. The way he kind of uses his pen, you know, what I'm saying to kind of right. draw, um, you know, from the line of scrimmage even on down. I just love the way he just kind of manipulates DBs. Um, I just love his game. All you know, all, how he sets DBs up. Like he'll make things look or releases look the same, but do two different things. Right. You know, and type of things really mess with DBs when you can sit here and, um you know, make things look the same, but, you know, have a different end result. And so I think he just does such a g- good job of doing that. And then I think just his aggressiveness, um, you know, with him catching the ball, just getting open, but just him catching the ball and just being that kind of dog um, is huge, which I think, you know, you'll see kind of like a, I think you'll honestly probably see more of a resurgence. I don't want to say resurgence, but just kind of like an up as far as the, value of the right receiver because you got guys like justin jefferson jamar chase and Tyreek kill those type of guys who um you know you can have subpar quarterbacks but yet be very successful because you got guys that if you just throw the ball in their vicinity you know they're gonna end up catching it so you might see these guys getting paid a lot more you know as you know the as the nfl you know continues because of you know guys like that um and how much value they truly bring to uh you know, to, to the, uh, receiver position you know, on the football team.
1: I know you're chopping at the bit with free agency week. You're seeing everybody get all these deals and you're like, man, I'm, I'm five, six years away. It's going to be me. Yeah, man. <laughs> I yeah. got, I got, I guess I'd say two, two and a half more questions. Um, so the, the, the last foot, real football question regarding you is, I just w- curious, what's your go-to route, you know, like, Coach pulls you over and goes, hey, it's 4th and 10. We're on the 20-yard line, and we got to score here. The, no other option. Overtime game, tie game, clocks at five seconds. Like, And you're going, we're, we're going to draw up this play for you. What do you want to run? What, what is it? And what, what's that route going to be for you to run?
3: Yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah, honestly, actually, depending, it would just, actually, it's a lot of different factors because it depends on where we're at on the field. What's the down and distance? Right, let's, let's,
1: I, I'm putting you on the spot. We didn't talk about this, before, but let's just say it's fourth and eight. You're on the 24 yard line. I'll give you outside the red zone because I know you score a lot from outside of 20 yards. So 24 yard line, and it's a tie game, uh, or let's say you're down by four. So you got to score a touchdown. You can't. You can't just play it safe and kick a field goal, obviously. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Um, and they're they're playing. Let's just say they're playing cover cover two man coverage. Playing a cover two man coverage look,
3: they're playing two man. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, let's go. <laughs> yeah, so we're gonna go. We're gonna double move them. Let's go. I don't know if they're gonna. Yeah, so they're man. Yeah, so let's go. Let's go double move. They have two safeties over top. We're gonna go. Uh, we call it a pilot route, which is a post corner, and so um, usually you're gonna get uh, you're gonna get leverage, probably outside leverage on the um, or inside leverage on the uh on the, uh, from the cornerback, and then the uh, safety will probably be playing outside. Um, so, in that case, yeah, I'll double move them. you know, get inside or get outside. doesn't matter. I can best release them. And then, uh, really, it's just really beating that safety and just manipulating that Give him something inside, because the middle of the field is probably going to be open. And so, um, you know, give him some inside and then break back out for three, uh, give him some inside for three steps, break towards the post, and then break out, and hopefully lose the both of them um and be standing wide open in the end zone so yeah i'll I'll double move and give me a post corner
1: like it i actually uh asked that question to zay flowers a couple weeks ago and he actually said pretty much the same thing so (laughs) you guys are you guys are on the you guys are on the same wavelength there all right um last one that i'll get you out of here so obviously you have had a lot of players that you've played with at cincinnati get drafted here recently desmond ritter alec pierce uh sauce gardner you know a lot of guys that you've been with at cincinnati How's the conversations been with you and those guys, you know, just them kind of prepping you or have you been reaching out to them to, you know, ask for information on which route, you know, what things you should be doing for the combine or pro day, or what's just the conversation has been like with some of those guys who have been drafted and had a lot of success in the league over the last couple of years.
3: Yeah. Well, I think the the consistent theme and the number one thing that I've taken away during this whole process is to be yourself. Um, You know, don't try to be somebody that you're not, especially in these meetings. Don't try to, you know, be, you know, harder than what you think you are and things of that nature. Don't don't lie, be honest about a lot of different things and you know cuz they know all about you they know all your background everything that you've been through um all the back with high school you know talk have talked to people that you were with in high school you know all the way to obviously everyone in college and so um you know just just being honest and just being yourself you know cuz at the end of the day you want to go somewhere where you know it fits you and that you you can see yourself being there for you know a good lengthy, lengthy time period and so um that's been the number one thing just being genuine and authentic and who you are and um you know just not being uh, fraudulent this week,
1: and how were the matchups with Ahmad Gardner at Cincinnati a few years ago?
3: <laughs> yeah, so uh, I honestly didn't get to see Ahmad a whole bunch because I played to the field and he was in the boundary. Um, but I have a lot of witnesses. Um, I will say this: the first, my first year there, I was a freshman. He got the best of me quite a bit. My second year, my sophomore year, I started out at X. I got my own helmet on a lot better. I had I got a lot of good reps versus him where, uh, you know, I ended up winning some good one-on-one battles and uh, I got a witness back me up. So, uh, you know, but no, they, they were fun. He's a, uh, one thing about him is that people don't realize he is a lot stronger than you might think with his, his slimmer frame. Yes, Very strong. You know, he's the type of guy, like he gets his hands on you. You release a certain way you give him your chest or you give him, you know, the, your back or shoulder. I mean, he'll take you and drive you into the sideline. Um, <laughs> quick story. Uh, it was my sophomore year. We were facing SMU at home. And, you know, we got done. I don't know. I think we probably scored. You know, we had a lot of points in the game. We end up scoring. I'm on the sideline. We're on the heated. We got, he had heated benches at the time. So I'm sitting on the sideline, and my back is turned towards the, um, towards the field. And so I think I'm, I'm turned around either getting something to drink or, you know, getting my helmet or whatever. And so uh, all of a sudden – uh, <laughs> I'm standing, like, on the, like, literally on the heated bench, like, kind of where you put your feet at. Right. I'm standing there, and i like, mind you, the bench is, like, a good 10 yards away from the side. <laughs> I'm standing there, and all of a sudden, I get hit from the back, and I end up, like, falling kind of into my helmet. And I turn around, I see SMU's receiver on our sideline <laughs> – in the back of my legs, and then I see a Ma Gardner <laughs> standing right next to him talking trash. Uh-huh. Like, Wait a second! I'm like, why is their receiver all the way on our sideline? But that's the type of dude he was. Like he would literally take, and he would drive you into the coolers, so to speak. Like literally yeah. drive you into the coolers or, or the heated benches in that in, in this aspect. So, um, you know, he was he's just so strong. It just um his strength is probably just something that probably goes unnoticed and unseen. But that's the biggest thing with him.
1: Tyler, this was awesome, man. I want you to close it out. Uh, what, what's the team getting the drafts you, man? Like, they're going to spend a you know relatively high draft pick on you. They, they're going to be getting, you know, a, a really good playmaker, explosive dude. But what are they going to get with you on the field and then obviously off the field? I like you talking about that a little bit too
3: and, and you know, what you're going to bring to a community with, that, that, that does end up drafting you. Yeah, I mean, you know, starting on the field, I mean, like you said, speed, explosiveness, um, the ability to, um, you know, put pressure on DBs, get a uh, DB out the box, open up the run game. Um, things of that nature and another thing as well that you know, good, You know, people kind of don't talk about, but my special teams value. You know, when I was in Cincinnati, I played gunner. Uh, I came and rushed the punt, rushed the punter as well, and I also was a off returner. Um, you know, on kickoff. So you know, I have a lot of experience on special teams and have been very successful at it. You know, Cincinnati had one of the top top five punt teams the last two years, as far as net, um, as far as uh the net is concerned, and so. Um, you know, I bring a lot of value in those areas as well, which um, are obviously very huge in the NFL. So, um, you know, on the field, that's kind of what it looks like. And then off the field, um, the first and foremost thing, you're going to get a very humble uh, man of faith. Um, That's kind of the catalyst for everything that I do and just kind of, you know, the reason behind why I make all my decisions and, you know, just the way I see life and see people. And so, um, you know, I'm a person that's, uh, you know, I was a kid at one point and I know what it was like when, you know, I got to meet some of my, uh, quote unquote superheroes you know and so anytime i try to come across anytime i come across kids or anything of that nature um that you know desire my attention you know i always try to you know give my attention to them you know whether it's an autograph whether it's a picture whether it's just a a simple conversation because i know what that was and what it did for me um when i was growing up and you know i didn't want to be one of those players where you know they look at me and say man he's you know he's a uh you know a-hole or you know whatever he's kind of a stuck up um you know superstar whatever and so um he, like it just always remained humble and routed and just rooted who I am as a man and, you know, as a man of faith and, um, you know, just always being, you know, a role model for kids and always being an ear and uh, just being open to the community.
1: Well, Tyler, I can tell you, you don't have a much bigger fan out there than me. I'm sure I'm sure your parents and family, obviously, but a uh, huge fan of your game. And this 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 kind of cemented everything for me, man, just talking to you here and hearing what you what you're about and how you handle carry yourself and all that—it's just top-notch, man. I'm I'm rooting for you big time. Can't wait to check out the pro day next week. Then can't wait to keep up with you over these next months or so. And drafts a little little more than a month away, man. So I know you're excited and I know you're ready to get after it. And uh, we'll be uh, we'll be paying attention, and rooting for you, man. Thank you so much.
3: Yeah, appreciate you. Thanks for having me
1: on. Yeah, man. You have a good one. Thanks for, too.
2: Guys, this is the Talking the Draft podcast. I'm your host, Connor Livesay, joined by my co host tonight, Mark.